we are recording. Hello, everyone. Young and old, white, Mexican. And thank you for listening to Take Two Plus, the only podcast on the internet with a amazing investment opportunity. My friend Ryan and I need partners for a wonderful uh, money-making possibility. And, and actually, I wrote just a little bit of a, I don't know what you would call it, a hook. Friends, do you wake up tired? You've rested, but you need a bit more energy? Are you achy, restless? Are you less excited these days? Does the lack of sun during the winter months keep you unmotivated? And are you finding your routine to be missing something? Is your relationship becoming strained by the lack of electricity? Can you imagine a brighter future? What, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? What are okay, you talking about? Okay, okay, oh, yeah, fair, okay. So Ryan, you know Ryan, found a really nice yeah, vacuum. Yeah, I, I know Ryan. Yeah, an amazing, the best, the perfect vacuum, right? He found it, it's amazing. It sounds like something he would do. If we sell it, right, for $100, okay, here we go. And use that money to buy two more vacuums, yeah? Oh, so we okay. so so now we now we have we sell those we buy them for uh fifty dollars okay right uh so we are basically going to be continuously doubling our money based on this principle it's a, vac okay? it's a vacuum pyramid scheme pyramid well scheme. no but okay just a look at like, it. A, like a used vacuum pyramid scheme it's like, really nice it's really nice okay so or is it if, more like a garbage one because you're just what? finding these well we what found vacuum can you get for fifty dollars is the real question well, no, we're going to sell it for, we've, okay. Anyways, okay, picture this though, right? If things Chris, go according, go board. if things go according to the way I think they're going to, our first year, if we do this right, we will have approximately have made $738 billion. You have to go back and redo those numbers. You're yes. going to actually end up with about a dozen used vacuums and no money. The following may contain harsh language, poorly communicated ideas, and does not reflect the opinions of iHeartRadio. What we do in life echoes in eternity. So there is a, there's a guy actually going to be joining us on this podcast. Now, I haven't actually seen what he looks like. Uh, he's been emailing me, but his name is, it's kind of weird. I don't think this is actually his name, but I think it's pronounced Donkey Boy. So we're going to be seeing Donkey Boy in about 20 minutes, and I just can't wait to ask him a few questions. So uh, this week we listened uh, and watched Gladiator from the beginning to the end. Um, Can we introduce ourselves, Chris? Right. My name's Chris. I'm Sean. And I'm Tyler. And this week we watched Gladiator 2000. <laughs> They call for you. The general became a slave. The slave who became a gladiator. The gladiator defied an emperor. Striking story. What are your guys' thoughts on the conspiracy that actually Joaquin and River switched places right before they died? And it's actually River Phoenix that we're familiar with, but it's actually Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, died. Who, who died, yeah. Is that a conspiracy that you just created right now on the top of your head? Oh, I just have a few QAnon friends and we've been talking. <laughs> hey Tyler, what, uh, what are we doing? What's going on? Who's this other person we're talking to? 
Well, what's going on is we've used a fancy sports draft to each pick our three favorite revenge movies. And we're now reviewing one of them a week to create our list of the top nine revenge movies ranked in order. When that's done, we'll add up points based on standings, meaning if your films ended up in the one, two, and three spot, you'll get a total score of six. One plus two plus three. The person with the lowest score wins, so it's in your best interest to point out what makes your pick so great, while emphasizing why someone else's choice might not have been such a good idea. This week is my first round pick, a Ridley Scott epic called Gladiator. Sean, break down the story for us. I just want to mention this is the first time we were able to get through that without Chris making his ridiculous joke and all it took Noticed him walking I away. Noticed through how the points work <laughs> before Chris got back. Gladiator 2000 involves a character named Maximus, who's a powerful general and also played by Russell Crowe, by the way. And he's beloved by all his people, including the ailing Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, played by Richard Harris. Before his death, Marcus chooses Maximus to succeed the Wait, throne over the birthright. that's not Donald Sutherland? It's not Donald Sutherland. It doesn't look anything like him either, and he's just, he's actually huh. British, so, yeah, it's amazing. Huh. amazing. Anyway, he chooses Maximus to succeed the throne Wait, over the birthright Donald of his Sutherland? Own, over the birthright of his own son, Commodus, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Once Commodus kills his father in a fit of jealous anger, he further unleashes his wrath on Maximus's family, killing his wife and young son. Left for dead, Maximus is brought back to life by slavers and forced to fight for his freedom as a gladiator. Maximus's only hope is to become Rome's most popular fighter in a bid to get his vengeance, this life or the next, on his former friend, Commodus. Why don't we do a little segment we like to call uh, Behind the Shans with Scene Alexander. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> I guess so. You know where I like to be? I like to be behind the Shans with Scene Alexander. Oh, okay. Hey, Scene. Right. What's we, up? We, gotta work on, we really got to work on that title. So Ridley was first approached by the film's producer, Walter Parks, to work on this film. He was sitting at his desk when Walter walked in and threw a painting down on his desk, which was uh, Jean-Leon Jerome's Police Verso with a thumb turned. And if, you had, if I looked up this painting, I, I've seen it before, but it's been a while. But basically, it's just like, if you've seen this painting before, it's literally like any screenshot from the film Gladiator ever. Like, it's like a, like he completely took the look of this painting and just put it into like a two and a half hour long film. Like, it's pretty remarkable how he uh, completely took the look of that film. And the, uh, the main gladiator in this painting is completely taken for that final battle between uh, Maximus and that gladiator that he doesn't end up killing, even yeah. though the crowd wants him to. Tiberius yeah, of Gaul or something like that. The old dude know. who comes out of retirement. <laughs> Oh, is that his name? I, I, I That's who you're talking about, right? Like, you, you yeah, like yeah, yeah. the guy that never lost that they bring out of uh, retirement? Yeah, yeah. Well, technically, yeah. wouldn't wasn't... Every, gladiator, every gladiator have never lost? Until you die. Well, no, but you could what use What you're them. saying is like, oh, he, you know, he, he's the gladiator that never lost. It's like, well, technically, would they all have not lost yet because they're all alive? No, but you could lose, <laughs> you could lose in the gladiator arena and not get the thumbs down and Live to it's pretty day. hard to lose now, and survive, but it I'm glad happen. you said that, Tyler, because isn't there a bit of controversy over the thumb up or thumbs down in this movie? Because yeah, my understanding was it. it was, yeah, which makes this number nine on our list. <laughs> I mean, they reverse it to simplify it to make it easier to. So, in actual, in actual Roman history, thumbs down meant let them live and thumbs up meant kill them. Yeah, yeah so it's thumbs like thumbs down, down you know. It's not going to be exciting, you know. I see. Thumbs, thumbs down up. represented put your sword back in your sheath, and thumbs up right. meant use your sword to. I have no oh, wow. problem with that. Really. So that's I when you give a thumbs up to someone. You're really putting your you're taking your uh, sword and you're showing it to them. 
Okay. <laughs> apparently, apparently the script for this film was so bad at first that when they were looking to cast Russell Crowe, they refused to let him see it because they were afraid he'd say no if he actually read it. So instead, they just had him meet with Ridley one on one, and he actually ended up signing on almost immediately. But then, like just a few months ago, recently, uh, Ridley or sorry, Russell Crowe was on Jimmy Fallon, and he told him that he actually did have a script the entire time, and he'd read it anyway, and he didn't really care. So when when Ridley first visited the Coliseum during pre-production for this film, and he was visiting with his production okay, designer, so, but, but 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 you're talking about the Roman Coliseum, the actual one, or yeah, he went to the... visit the actual Roman Coliseum okay, there to go. get a feel for it during hey, production hey, with the production designer. We're yeah. back on track now. Okay, here we go. Oh, fan, fucking fantastic! So he went to go see the Coliseum with his production designer, and when he went to see it, it was the first time, from my understanding, that he was seeing it in person. He turned to his production designer and he said, "It's too small." It's too small for his vision of the film. So when they ended up remaking the Coliseum for the film, he made it a bit bigger than it actually is in real life. Well, I think there's a dramatic effect, of course, that it's one of the sure. highlighted scenes in the movie where he's walking into... Um, for Stan the, Yeah, the, the, the death zone. There's kind of a POV of like the crowd and everything. And, it, you know, and, and this is it, right? Like, so there would be a little bit of CGI coming into movies these days, but here's a great example of it. So before signing on for this movie, Russell's last film was The Insider, for which he had gained 40 pounds of weight. So he had to lose all of that, plus get ripped before shooting started for Gladiator. And he only had, uh, I think he said like three or four months to do it. He claims all he did was work out on his farm in Australia. Nothing big. <laughs> Story goes that once Joaquin got on set, he became convinced that he wasn't right for this role. And he was sure that he wasn't gonna be able to pull off the villainy appropri appropriately. So he begged the producers to let him pay them back for his airfare and his hotel and just let him walk away. Uh, it got to the point where he was asking people to abuse him off camera so that they could simply just amp him up for his performance. And Russell stepped in and started calling him a maggot, which he responded to quite well. And uh, he got <laughs> right into the right space. You know, so actors, right? Um, you think, was this just like Joaquin Phoenix's like first big budget? Like I, I imagine Ridley Scott big. is more intimidating than your average director to work for as well. Like was uh, it just yeah. his first big I think like, he probably felt thing? like the budget probably of it and stuff. And yeah, I yeah. think Ridley's probably a bit of a drill mat or a taskmaster or whatever, but uh, I don't know, like it really works. I mean, like that scream in that in that shot where he's just screamed, like, am I not merciful? Which was like totally, yeah. which was improvised, by the way. Like Connie didn't know he was gonna do that, and he didn't know he was gonna do that. And then you can kind of tell in the editing of that moment because it's about to end, and then it just cuts to another take of him, and he's just screaming it at her face. <laughs> like you can tell, like he like even Ridley wasn't ready, and he didn't have like an end to that moment, but like he just needed to use it anyway. Yeah. But, uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, here we go, uh, everyone. Uh, we have a we have a friend uh, that has just arrived into uh, the Take Two Plus Studio uh, Power Studio. His name, all right, bring him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just get the mic on the. Okay. Perfect. Right. Uh, a big Take Two Plus welcome to Donkey Boy. Why do they call you Donkey Boy? I, that was like so weird. Okay, um, I think we've heard enough about Donkey Boy. Uh, Sean, back to you. So over the, uh, over the course of filming the action scenes, Russell suffered a large cut to his face that required stitches. He suffered broken bones in his foot and hip, and he also injured both bicep tendons. That's how physical things got, I guess. 
Uh, all that, that would have been over the course. I wouldn't have been like one accident or something. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it was over, over the course of filming. That wasn't just one. <laughs> I guess maybe he should have done more than just work on his farm between the insider yeah. and the yeah. yeah, that might have toughened him up a bit more. Yeah. But I'm sure he was doing very manly farm stuff, you know? I'm sure yes. he was getting really ripped for it. Bailing. So, <laughs> Oliver, Oliver Reed famously passed away during the filming of this movie, and they had to use visual effects and a stand-in to finish his scenes. You can really tell towards the end of the film when you could really only start seeing his face in like close-ups and it's like really digital digitized yeah, almost shot okay. from behind and stuff yeah especially when now when like the, your airs are like 4k and hd like you can really kind of yeah. notice that stuff a lot more although um, this was today they could have just had mark hamill get like a tan and have him stand in for all <laughs> yeah, that's true. The same. they do look like one another now if only they had he stayed alive long enough to see last jedi can i, yeah. can I, can I ask you uh do you think this movie would have benefited from hologram Oh, definitely. I mean, what movie? What one movie doesn't benefit from yeah. holograms, right? Okay. So if they had gone back and reshot all the scenes for Oliver Reed, it would have cost them something like twenty-six million dollars. And apparently, they had the insurance to do it, but Russell didn't want to, or sorry, Ridley did not want to lose him from the film. So they went that back before. and did it this way. He's well, done that before with, say, uh, yeah, with Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. <laughs> but he does yeah. it for this is a different story, reasons. Though. He does the opposite of it. Actually, is what he does. He does. He he takes the actor out of the film because of reasons outside of the film, and puts in Christopher Plummer and for Kevin Spacey and all the money in the world. I'm sure, like, if uh, an actor that's been around as long as Oliver Reed was dies there's like something beneficial about having him in your like last movie you know what i mean it's like an yeah. added like promotional kick yeah um sure. is it though like who knows Oliver about oliver was... reed there's no one left to fight son there's always someone left to fight how can i reward rome's greatest general So up to even while they were filming the movie, uh, Maximus was supposed to live at the end of the film. Uh, while they were shooting it, Ridley came to the realization that for his tale to vengeance to feel truly earned, Maximus would have to die as well. Because otherwise, I mean, what would his life's purpose be after this movie was over? He would have no existence after this movie. So he decided to kill uh, Maximus at the end of the movie. It's kind of a happy in real life. ending, even though he dies. Like it's kind of a happy ending. The way they uh, frame it with like meeting his wife and son and mm -hmm. the afterlife or whatever you want to call it. Since so this film is quote unquote historical, let's take a second and look at like one uh, one aspect of that for a second of the character Commodus. Apparently, he was actually a real gladiator, and he was known as the Gladiator Emperor. And this is this is uh, Russell Crowe. No, this is Walking Phoenix. Walking Sorry, Phoenix. Commodus. Oh. Commodus. Apparently he would actually involve himself in games and he was known as the gladiator emperor. He would routinely show up to fight wild animals. He once killed a hundred lions in a day and three elephants in another. But the most grotesque thing he would do is he would create giants, which are really a bunch of disabled people that he would tie together and then he would club them to death. <laughs> Like in, the, just, like in the Coliseum, right? Like yeah, in, in the Coliseum, yeah. yeah. Donkey yeah, Boy. The game. How do you yeah. feel about that? No, Donkey Boy does not want to hear this. Uh, so no, his arrogance uh, made him hated and he was poisoned to death, but he actually was able to save himself and he vomited it up, but then somebody strangled him to death in a bathtub. It's like a like Roman right Rasputin. I read yeah. that he would also, like, he'd make these appearances and then be like, well, I entertain the people, so I should get paid for it and just, like, pay himself out of tax money. Like, a yeah, shit ton of that too. Shit ton I didn't want to get into the financial like, aspects yeah. of it because I thought that'd be yeah. Can you uh, tell us like, about Commodore's kind of tax up. return from uh, 13 <laughs> BC? It's kind of fucked up, though. Despite doctor's orders, I went to Rome uh, during COVID 
Was this right before the big Italian outbreak? I mean, I wasn't looking at the calendar, but yeah. a lot of people died. Anyways, the Coliseum. Did You're you know? still here, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> my body's yeah. here. Okay, yeah. well, did you know? Okay, this is interesting. The Coliseums, you know, they would do gladiator fights, whatever, with animals. That's all true. But sometimes what they would do is fill it with water also and reenact ship battles in yeah, the Coliseum. Yeah. I have read a couple books of books. Oh, I'm sorry. What else do you know? It's, it's next, amazing. No, this that next is segment is thing. That is Sean's pretty crazy that they would do that. It is. Because you look at it, and I can't even imagine how... Because you would have to be blocking off all the entrances. and like. Well, you know what they would do? Actually, well, they, they would... I don't know if... I mean, there probably were certain arenas where they would do it, but they would actually also go to valleys, and they would create dams, and they would flood a valley, and they would situate people around peaks and hills and stuff to watch yeah. these uh, battles take place. Yeah. Like they would use actual mm. land to do it. It's crazy that they I were mean, able to achieve epic, like that. epic, right? Like, I mean, it kind of goes to show that like, men were in charge in those <laughs> days because <laughs> you see stupid stuff like, they spent so this, much, Chris? yeah, they spent <laughs> so much time and money to just like destroy <laughs> shit. It's just a boat like, show. Yeah, to like play uh torture. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly, right? And so it, it's yeah. just like that shit wouldn't fly these days. It's like And it's not like one of the ways they're filming it either. It's just like you're either there or you weren't. And we spent so much time and money to do it and it lasted for like fifteen minutes and it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, All right, type question into the subject for Take Two Plus uh, Take Two Podcast Review. Uh, what other Coliseum questions do you have? <laughs> Uh, Sean will be the wrap up episode in our two minutes that are left. You guys want to hear what else was nominated for best picture that year? Thanks, Jacob. Yes. Oh, all Tyler. right. So I just hot off the press from Jacob. Uh, mm. Gladiator one also nominated was Chocolat. Wait, is, 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 Gladiator, is Gladiator one the same as Gladiator 2000? <laughs> it's the prequel. And oh. then there's a hundred and one thousand nine hundred dollars in between. Yeah. <laughs> Which Chocolat is incredible because it was all nominated. the same year. Oh my God, Chris. <laughs> Remember how we avoided like the joke that we've been beating to death for <laughs> earlier? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Shakula was nominated, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic for the best picture. Oh, wow. <laughs> sadly, other than Traffic, none of those movies are better than Gladiator. Uh, <laughs> so, sadly, other than Aaron Brockovich, uh, the Traffic. traffic uh, so no, far. none of those movies are better. Like traffic is even a question mark. But traffic, tell me, what are what are the totally screenplay nominations? What are like the oh, adaptive? Yeah. Like, who got who got no. best sound editing that year? Uh, no, right. because like best oh, screenplays. There's gonna be uh, more options. Traffic one adapted screenplay, almost famous one original screenplay. Yeah, almost See, like almost famous. Best. That wasn't in best. It wasn't even nominated. That's a better film than any of those other movies. That was it made. is the best it's not film that year. Yeah, like, oh. other than Gladiator, maybe. Maybe it's close. It's close. It's close. Okay. Uh, it's Not close. enough gladiators in uh, Almost I Famous see for what else on here that was nominated. Billy Elliot. That's a Chris nah, movie. Uh, <laughs> the Contender. Uh, is I don't that Russell Crowe as well? Is. No, that's not. That's no, not Russell Crowe. I could have uh, been a contender. Uh, <laughs> How was your journey? Long, uncomfortable. Where have I come? I need your help with your brother. He loves you. He always has. And he will need you now more than ever. 
Sean, I'm happy to announce today that we have a, a brand new sponsor. It comes from Donkey Boy Farms. Now, I was actually at Donkey Boy Farms, the, what was that, on the weekend with my family. You know, Donkey Boy greets you and uh, yeah, check out Donkey Boy Farms. Tell them Take Two Plus sent you. Uh, Donkey Boy, do you have anything to add? All right, see you there. All right, Sean. Now, uh, uh, why don't we get back into it? Huh? So, why by any chance, or is by any chance is Donkey Boy related to Ari Aster? They're very similar. <laughs> Actually, movies. he's about to leave. Donkey Boy. He's gone. Sorry. Do they look alike, Chris? Okay. Now that he's gone, I can like actually tell you, I couldn't look at Donkey Boy in the eyes. Okay. Too so fancy. that's just a little. Okay. We'll, we'll edit this out, but. If you do go to Donkey Boy Farms, you'll know what I mean. All right. Well, we're, what, Chris, where we are is we're about to get into what we like about the film Gladiator. So since this is Tyler's film, we're going to let him kind of talk about why he picked it in the first place and, uh, and what he likes about the movie. So for me, this is one of the few like modern epics made in the last like 20 years or so that really lands. There's a few Because this is your first had. pick, right? Like, so this is my first pick. I do right. really For the like audience, the for the funny. audience, uh, Tyler is the one that came up with the revenge draft. Tyler, because he, I guess, won contra, like a bit. I'm still counting the ballots and I believe there was fake voting involved. Gladiator must be like the revenge film for you, right? This and film is, is epic and a lot of films try to be as big and bold as this film and they don't always pull it off. There's a few that have, don't get me wrong. It's not the only one. Um, I also love how this film in a sense like appeals to people's primitive desires, but it's very like, meta and tongue-in-cheek the way it does and like Commodus puts on the games to become popular by appealing to just like uh mass entertainment of violence and action and that's a lot of what this movie boils down to which hey, Sean remember works. when you gave uh, Joaquin Phoenix a 7 out of 10 in the Joker episode in terms of handsomeness yes yeah. I remember that <laughs> uh what would you give him in this movie uh he's slightly slightly no he's about yeah, he's slightly more handsome in this movie, just slightly. He's like the <laughs> he's opposite of that no, He's like chubbier in this movie. He's yeah, he's a little chubbier, like, uh, he's a little younger, but his eyes are yeah. so like sunk into his head in this movie. He's got so much like shadows underneath his eyes and he's just so miserable looking. The entire yeah. fucking movie, like he just looks miserable. Um, um, speaking of characters, uh, I guess I'll start with Commodus. I do love how his uh, right before you do though, uh, right before you do Tyler, anyone who has uh, advice for uh, Sean's sexual confusion, please email us, and uh, we will get back to you immediately. Thank you, uh, Tyler. I love how he's he's introduced as basically just like this little boy desperate for his father's praise and trying to go about getting it in all the wrong ways. It's pathetic, right? Yeah, he's a. Uh, uh, that line when he shows up, when he like comes in and sees his dad for his first time, where he's like, have I missed it? Have I missed the battle? Have I missed the battle? <laughs> he's like, you've missed the war, my son. Yeah. It's like so savage in reply. Like, That's such a good like happened. cut, like such a good introduction of him too, to go from everybody like muddy and bloody on the battlefield to him in this like gilded carriage being like yeah. carried along with his sister in like this nice That's his fancy sister. dress. I thought yeah, that was his mother. Sister. No. No, it's his no, sister. It's his, sister. <laughs> his mother, oh, Connie Nielsen, Jesus Christ, well, his mother. Yeah. That's no, rough, I mean, man. <laughs> well, and maybe that just lends itself to the fact that Joaquin Phoenix's character is so, like, immature, yeah. even on the ride up there. Yeah. Uh, the sister, mother, maybe both, I'm not sure. It's maybe a Chinatown situation. 
it's like uh, an incestuous relationship, right? And you're right. He, she does kind of mother him a bit. She like, and the way she definitely like, like protects him. Fingers are like, like they're not even holding hands in that scene. They're holding fingers, yeah. like they're holding fingertips, and it's just so fucking creepy the way they're doing that. Like it's just not a natural way for brothers and sisters to be holding hands. <laughs> Like, yeah, and then it like tough. escalates to that weird like bed scene where yeah. he like forces her to lie down next to him. Yeah, like yeah. it's just such a yeah, fucking gross. But I like that they keep his character sort of like true in that he's a little boy looking for praise from his father, then he becomes a little boy looking for praise from like the Roman public, I guess if you want to call it that. I also love that Maximus like throughout pretty much the whole film wears his heart on his sleeve in a sense. He never gets his emotions in check. Like when I think that's a out. good thing and a bad thing. I think that it's, there's a bit of one-dimensionality to his character. For yeah. sure. But I, I'm... I, I, especially at least on this game, honest, so, Like, it's consistent, that. right? Like, I love that when Marcus Aurelius gets killed, he's not the politician who's like, I need to scheme and I need to, like, get my way out of here and plot my revenge. He basically just storms out and refuses to uh, embrace Commodus at all, right? Well, like, for instance, I'm actually watching it right now because I've never seen this movie before. There's a scene... Explains your... Uh, views on it <laughs> well i'm just you know gotta go with my gut there's a scene right where he's uh, going into rome and there's all these women like attaching into like you know like you know, crest like a celery right yeah i just thought like his one dimensionality is, is you know is, he's like so noble like to trying to make like wouldn't it have been more interesting if we saw like flaws in his character where he's like actually making out with one of them or like you know he like does he's no, not I like that takes away from like his love for his wife like he's a, a he's a farmer and a soldier he's not a politician like he He's not deceptive at all. There's nothing that there's nothing about see, his character that you don't see on the surface. He would never survive in politics. I which guess is he why would you need like the Derek Jacoby and the Senate characters to like show the other side of Roman politics. He's just too noble. Anyway. Yeah, I can see what Chris is saying. Like in Chris's version of that movie, maybe it's more interesting than like if instead of they went with like the dead wife and kid angle and they instead yeah. try to make well, like, you got more the, like character the character of Max. Because like, here's right. the thing: at the end of the day, it's like they killed his wife. They killed they his killed daughter. His now he's pissed. But again, if they didn't, thousand. if they didn't do those things, we wouldn't be talking about this film right now. I mean, mm. That's one aspect of it. Or but we'd be talking other, about it more often. Well, but not particularly in this film about vengeance or in this draft about vengeance. With the Maximus characters, that he is like a simple man and he exists on the surface. There's no, he, he wouldn't survive in the political arena. But who's asking him? What I'm saying, Chris, is that they're all asking to lead Rome. Marcus Aurelius asked him to become what, emperor. Well, yes, but what I'm saying all though is that him down to some form of contrivance at some point, and we're literally making a film genre about contrivance at this point. Like it's called vengeance. We're talking about mm -hmm. a very cliched aspect of filmmaking. So of course these movies are going to contain right. some cliched aspect. You, you got you, you are too stupid to understand what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, I agree that his character having more dimensions could have been beneficial. But it's just, it's not where this film ended up going. But could it have been better? Know. Yeah. Sure. I get what you're could saying. Generally, I like to see character development and a character arc in a film, but I like yeah. that Maximus does not really change. Oh, he's the exact same. Uh, from Motorway. Yeah. My biggest problem with this film probably is the character of, like, it's, I wouldn't even say it's my biggest problem, but like in this viewing of the film, the weakness that stood out the strongest to me is probably Maximus' character. He's just not, he doesn't have that much to him. He doesn't do that much. He doesn't emote anything more than anger 
or like frustration yeah. or then belligerent or like confusion I except mean, for that kinda... one moment where he talks about his wife and like what i say to my wife is like and then he smiles i think that's the only time you ever yeah. see him smile this entire movie which that's is because he choice. loves his wife and daughter but... sean on the farm <laughs> <laughs> no he, he loves fucking his wife is really what he's smiling about because what well, he talks about to his wife is the, the, no one's the, business but his own i was going to talk about know. that i was going to talk about it in the uh, after hours episode uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, plus after dark <laughs> yeah after dark yeah Here's but we're talking too much about the things that don't work about this film. All right, let me continue. All right, like, sorry, everybody. Sorry, um, uh, Sean fucked up. All right, Tyler, please. <laughs> I wish I wish Lucilla, the sister, it was in this movie a little more because I think she's a very interesting character. I like how she's kind of a survivor. She's always kind of heading towards whoever's in power and smart enough to keep herself alive and in the position that she's in. It's a very uh, interesting character, interesting female character, especially considering the like time Absolutely. period we're dealing with. She's a political she's survivor, yeah. Like, even that very first scene when she knows uh, Commodus has killed their father, like, she slaps him in the face, and then she immediately, like, embraces him. She's like, I know, like, I know what I gotta do and what I gotta be. I think Commodus come, is the best character in this film. I, I mean, he's a high character. Okay, sure. no, okay, here's the but thing. Sean like, is, okay. uh, uh, Commodus, for the exact same reason, the, the problem with Russell Crowe being so noble, we can see that, that one-dimensionality also with Joaquin Phoenix. He's just like, there's no... Parts where you're like, oh, no, you know, that I, was really nice. That you know, like, I agree. Oh, that's that interesting he that he, you know, I don't know, but like, you can see the that... opening twenty minutes. Like, there is, there is a certain point in the opening of the film where, like, yeah, he's still kind of a creep, and you can see, like, okay, like they don't respect him, they don't treat well, him well, they don't, like, you know, they don't, like, he gets downtrodden a bit, you know, the, as the downtrodden as royalty can be. But with, like, you know, I'm sorry, Tyler. Tyler. Sorry, no, no, Sean, finish your point. No, 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 I, don't. I'm just saying, like, I just think that, like, I think there are, there is a certain level to Commodus besides just the one level of dimension, like, which is an issue with Maximus, I think. You're right, like, once once Commodus goes, kills his father, and once he orders the death of Maximus's family, like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, like, exactly. madness from that point forward. It's a very he's just yeah. simple, you know, he's just yeah. paranoid, he's just paranoid and delusional, but I think... and, you know. With Commodus, like Commodus, he's not just like evil, like the way you would portray, like uh, I don't know, a vampire or something in a movie. Like he's trying to have the people love him. He's just going about it in all the wrong ways, and that's what makes him even worse. I don't know, man. I don't know if I buy that he really cares about the people. I would. I think he wants to be. He wants power, and he knows the people are the power. But he doesn't under like he never understands why the people love Maximus and not him, and that makes him such a more interesting villain. I feel like when he says that. It's like that that thing that people say. Like he he does know he does know why the people like Maximus and not him. He just doesn't but want he to also is coming from a place of privilege of being like people should love me because of like who I am. As an action movie, I think this is like hands down one of the best action movies of yeah. all time. And like one of the things I really okay. love about this film is how bloody it is. Like from the very beginning when that headless horseman runs in like during the battle yeah, scene. Like you just know that this is gonna be a fucking bloodbath of a movie. Well, Chris, let me keep going. Right. No, I just and, don't. like. What? All right. What? Go. Then they actually they actually burned down that forest in the opening scene too, right? Like that's yeah. They it was I was it was in my notes at the beginning, but yeah, they were gonna like there was this land that the uh, forestry commission of England had like marked for destruction, and really it's like I'll do that for you. Like just let me use it for your film, and I'll 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 destroy that. So they they let them destroy the forest. But um, I thought they had to grow that forest for the movie, and then they had to cut it down. They went into pre-production I, in 1950 for this movie. So they, <laughs> they finally got it right. Spartacus uh, 2. 
Larry. I just think a lot of other directors and even studios, for that matter, would have made the PG-13 version of this film just to like cash in, get all that money back. Hey, Sean, and, and, that was exactly sense, what I was going to talk about, by the way. So great money. Yeah, and in a sense, that's what Ridley does a few years later with Kingdom of Heaven, which was boring as hell when he released it theatrically. But then he went back in and he put in, as Chris likes to say, the more mature elements Directors of the film. Cut. And he put in like the gore, and he put in like all these extended character scenes, and now everyone like loves the director's I'm cut. I'm not of that sure. Film. I, you know, what? here's the thing. I'm not sure how I feel about that Ridley Scott business, fucking final cut, director's cut. He's only done it with two films that matter. He's done it with Blade Runner that matters and Kingdom of Heaven that matters. Sean, so can, like, I, can I ask you how many versions of Blade Runner there are? There are a lot. Too, too many. There are like seven. Or like Is it an example of a director that really can't put his finger on it, and then like time goes by, he's like, oh, I should have done this. And then he just like keeps no. George Blade, Lucas. Blade it. Runners, Blade Runners, the only example of that where he's done it that many times, and that was because Blade Runners release was famously bungled by the studio and like they massacred the film and like it, Didn't like, it come out at the same time is. as ET or something? No, yeah, that was, was a really few years later, I think. ET might have been. Or, uh, uh, ET was a few years before. What's I think. the what's the other one? Close Encounters, maybe. Maybe. I guess we'll never yeah, know. As much as like they were talking about how bad it was during pre-production, I think there were some amazing lines in this movie. Like really good lines, like at my single unleash hell, what we do with life echoes and eternity, the frost, sometimes it makes the blade stick. Like there's tons of like these amazing lines that they just had throughout this entire film. Again, and not very not moments, very realistic, but you know, it's like Yeah, but these moments are almost know. always in action scenes too, which is even more like difficult to pull off. All this film's best moments are undoubtedly when it's in the midst of action. Like, whenever it goes away from action, it becomes a chore sometimes. The politicking in this movie can be really boring and just, like, unnecessary. And, like, like I said, I didn't get a lot out of Maximus as a character in this in this go-through. And it just, there's a lot of, like... To, uh, sorry, Chris, you're right. Blade Runner and E.T. are both 1982. Ah. Apologies. Uh, isn't that interesting, Sean? <laughs> I, I think we should have a highlight reel of all the times where, ah, I don't think that's right, Chris. Oh, it was John Steinbeck. <laughs> oh. One of the things that I like about this movie is the fact that they spent a lot of money on it. And I don't mean to say that like, that's a big deal, but it shows, right? The costumes, like I would, I don't normally talk about the costumes in a movie, but these costumes, it's so world built. It's so, the attention to detail and the world that they've created in this is, is a highlight. Nowadays, they would just use CGI or crap and try to cut corners. And here's a movie where, you know, it's old time filmmaking. It's great we should be reminded also on like the weapons and stuff in this movie are like so badass the only thing i really want to hear from you chris is what you don't like about this movie well, I think I the entire talk... time you're telling me you're liking about this movie i'm just like this is boring because i know deep down he doesn't well, here's the like thing it. guys here's the thing so I just what i'm talking about what... is what i like is the costumes so undeniable Chris, quantitative facts that let's like, get into what you don't like then chris tell yeah, us what right. you don't like. yeah what don't you like since you're probably going to take up the bulk of this segment you tell us what do you not like about this film, Chris? Well, wait, Sean, wait, wait, I... wait, wait. Before you do that, Tyler, just because it is your movie, can you presume some of the things he's going ah, to point Ah, yes, out? of course. Some of the things that uh, uh, Chris is going to talk he's about? He's going to point out. Uh, yes, uh, good save, will... Sean. Yeah, you saved the ball. For those of us with a Patreon account, you could check out uh, Sean's t-shirt live on our uh, <laughs> live stream. Uh, feel right, free Chris. to. Uh, All right, Tyler. I mean, uh, what, I think, what do you think Chris is going to say? I think Chris is not going to like some of the uh, politics, Roman politics stuff, details, especially in the third act. Why? Why do you think I'm not going to like that? Are, are you not going to talk about it? Well, no, I am, but I just. Okay, we're going to go. 
because uh, I know you saw Walkers. Oh. And uh, what I else? think he's going to go ahead and call uh, Commodus and Maximus one-dimensional, although I think it's a little intentional. <laughs> I think you've done that already, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will dwell on it, though. <laughs> Um, and I don't know what else he's not gonna like. Um, right, well, what don't right. you like, right. Tyler? What don't you like? There's not Let's a lot get real like about this movie, to be honest. I, the small thing I don't like, I think, when uh, Marcus Aurelius is asking Maximus about his house, he should have talked about his wife and kid a little bit more instead of just about his home. That would have been a nice yeah. little setup for the wife. We literally only see the family die. I think <laughs> yeah. Richard Harris cool. is like. Richard Harris is like asleep for the first ten minutes of this movie, and he only wakes up for his death scene. Yeah, like he, that's like, a, he he's fucking, fucking good at He that brings scene, it for yeah. that death scene, but the, every other scene in this movie, he's like his eyes are half open and like he's so. I think that's a. I think that's a, a a thing with actors, right? Like every actor, and I'm not even sure if that has a lot to do with the movie. Maybe sometimes it does, but like people's approach when it comes to death scenes is always interesting for me. Like when you see like, I suppose like people get shot and then like just the, you know, I think it was uh, Jack Nicholson that said that one, or Jack Nicholas, the golfer that said one time that, um, uh, Gladiator 2000 was my favorite movie. You said Gladiator 2000 was a hole in one. Okay. Hey, the bar has gone a little bit higher. Before before Chris says this, let me say what I what I maybe don't. You know, that's like me saying this, Sean. It's like okay. Well, before you say that, Sean, I'm going to actually talk about this because let's talk about what I want to talk about. I'm too busy doing research over here with Jacob. So why don't you to get us started? So I should. Oh, okay. So what I don't like about the film Gladiator so much. In general, I feel like this film is completely and utterly devoid of subtext. Like it's all very surface level. To be fair, it's very, very- Northwest. Uh, yeah, but there's a little bit more- Oh, that's good squishy. There's a little bit more than there is in this movie. Like this is a very, very pretty looking film and it sounds pretty and it's- But can I ask you, can I ask you one question to that point? You know what, I think you hit a nerve, Sean. I think you hit a nerve. Can I ask one question about the question of surface level? Okay. When Komoda says, I'm going to appeal to the people by appealing to their most like primitive desire, why would you expect subtext from a film like that? I don't get it. What? <laughs> because, well, he's saying because the film is about not the film is a, subtext. Yeah, like, the, the film, film is about he's trying to say the, appealing the, to the, base the, instincts. The mass. The film is about appealing to the masses, but I don't think that's really what this film is about. I think that's just one part it of the is. film. It's, a, it's an action that's, film about fighting and gladiator and blood. Yeah, and but Ridley's and... not like, I'm going to make a film about appealing to the masses, and all it's going to do is appeal to the masses. I'm... Tyler, would you <laughs> yes, not? Okay. Tyler and Sean, let me just wait for Sean to finish drinking. Alcohol probation officer, by the way. Tisk tisk, sharp tisk tisk. Tisk tisk, piss piss, test. Commodus expects that my father will announce his succession in days. Will you serve my brothers? You served his father. I will always serve you. And now Chris is finally going to tell us what he does not. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, my back. In- in ah. 35 minutes or less, Chris, tell us what you don't like about Oh, please, so much more or less. So <laughs> much more. Uh, okay, well, okay, here we go, right? Uh, this is the revenge draft. Good. I think that, again, it's wall one-dimensional, and it's probably the weakest part of this film. The characters or the acting? Uh, hard to, hard, I can't really put it on if it's just, like, the delivery or if it's the actual 
content, you know, like the- Do you like Joaquin's performance? I don't love it. I don't think it's over the top. Him. I think he's very, it's very, he's very minimally used, which is probably good. If you were to ask me at 14 years old, this movie would win because Gladiator movies, right? Am I right? Yeah, I hear you. Like, I, I understand. But like, as you get older and more mature, you become, I guess, more, you get more complicated, you see. And things on the surface level become less interesting, maybe, if you're mature like me, than the, on the thing. And it, it, it's, the, it's the movies with the below the surface stuff that I think hold up. Straw Dogs is like has like a lot of like subtext going on in it, and I think that Harakiri has a lot of subtext going on in it, and I think that Once Upon a Time in the West doesn't have less that so, much less subtext so. going on in it. It has a lot of stuff. No, going but on I mean it. that's but you know what? Here's an interesting. Not subtext. Here's an interesting thing though. Once Upon a Time in the West, period piece. In the Valley of Violence, period piece. Gladiator 2000, period piece. Murder was more possible and more easy to achieve, mm -hmm. like historically possible. Like nowadays, think, it's a like, little harder to just kill somebody. The or, concept of revenge is such like a primitive, like oh, idea that it's supposed yeah. to. It it lends itself more towards films that exist on a surface level. Sure, so yeah. stupid and dumb and not smart. All right, whatever. Uh, all right, Fuck yeah, you guys. Fuck you guys. I'm putting this movie number one. You guys tell me where you put it. All right. Not oh, surprising. Because it was his first round pick. Of the pain. This is the pain, Tyler. Enjoy it. <laughs> no, I'm fine with you guys being on the wrong side of film history. You know what, Tyler? Like, you're you're mean. just a little gladiator today, and I love it. So let's go. Let's because that was a little fast. So let's to be clear, Tyler is putting this film where? Number one. <laughs> Number one. All right, Chris. I'm gonna let let you go. Let's where where are you putting it, Chris? Where are you putting this film? Well, I know where you're putting it, Sean. So let's do Where it. am I putting it? Third. Where am I putting it? Fourth, or like fourth. Like the end, the, the last. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it on number four. Okay, all right. <laughs> if you're wondering about my psychic powers, I've just had them forever. Here's yeah, the problem. Up. Here's what the problem is. I think Harakiri is such a good fucking movie, it should be number one, and I can't possibly put this movie above it. I can't. I can't put it above it. You no, think I, that this I, is a better movie than Once Upon a Time in the West, Straw Dogs, and Harakiri? I do, yes. Oh my goodness. I think you it's more really? entertaining as a film. It's more rewatchable. It's got, uh, I mean, I get that the characters exist on the surface level, but I think it's got more consistent characters. Uh, I'm glad crying? that Sean really needs subtext in the movie. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, okay, I'm glad to know to that Sean needs a uh, subtext and two dimensional, three dimensional characters in the film because I can't wait to place John Wick. In a I need four dimensions personally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, last place. Very surprised to hear you, Tyler, say that it's better than all of But you know what? That's just what uh, Take Two is all about. Take Two Plus, actually, because I keep forgetting the plus. Tell me it's going to go Everybody plus. tune so in next week effort. to Take Two Plus podcast where we put Munich in last place. Chris, any last <laughs> words? Can't wait, Tyler. All right. Uh, see you, everyone. <laughs>